All right, let's turn the Word of God to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And thank God it may be today. That'd be all right. Amen. If the uh, Lord decided to come, we interrupt this regularly scheduled program for the Lord's coming. Amen. There's, as far as I know, there's nothing to hinder his coming. Joseph's married, right? I mean, I'll, sorry, I'll never let you live that down, Joseph. Right? Joseph's married, right? So Jesus can come. Amen. We're thankful for that. Huh? What, the, the marriage or is coming? I mean, now I'm confused. They're just coming. I know. I know. That's good stuff. You got to love it. Got to love it. Amen. All right. All right. Now David's giving me that look. All right. Okay, Dave. Come on. Come on. All right. John 6. We better get to there, right? John 6. John 6. And we'll read verses 1 through 14 in the Word of God. Uh, I got to pick on one other person. Sorry. Uh, just a word. Hey, if, if you need my help with something, that's fine. Just go ahead and, and do it and uh, let me know later. Let me know later. Sorry, Pam, Sister Pam. Yesterday, I'm sitting in my office. I get a call, and it's from uh, an alarm company, right? Uh, let me know that alarm has been set off. And, that, and so I'm getting ready to uh, uh, jump in my car and go see what happened. I said, well, let me call Sister Pam first right? Mr. Pam first. So it was a real windy day yesterday. Something fell over, right? Set off the alarm. And so, uh, amen. So it worked. That's the main thing. So here's the thing. God was watching out for you. He wanted to make sure that it worked before you had an emergency. See how good God is? Good God is. And then she said, well, pastor, I meant to tell you that, you know, I had to put somebody's name down and I just got, I was going to tell you, to, I was going to tell you tomorrow, but I thought that's fine. Listen, that, that, did, that, does not, that does not bother. I'm just, I'm just glad that she saw that it worked before there was an emergency and that I, you know, I've already had a pre-heart attack, so I don't have to worry when it happens about having a heart attack. You know, you know isn't it amazing, though, how fast stuff can go through your mind? You know, something like that happens, and, and immediately, you know, you're saying, oh, Pam, you know, you're, you're, how, 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 your, how your mind uh, can go things, and then she just says, oh, it was only the trash can, sorry. But uh, so... So thank the Lord for that. Thank the Lord for that. Yeah, won't, yeah, won't, yeah, you won't have to have an alarm system on your, your mansion, but if you do, you can still use my name. Amen. I'll be in the area the whole eternity. So go use the... All right. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Say this in the Word of God. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracle which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And, he said, and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments, the fragments that remain, that nothing is lost. 
Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Verse 14, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Let us pray again. Father, again, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. And Lord, uh, we just uh, praise you and worship you and glory in you. And Lord, we thank you for saving us. We thank you that you want to be our friend. We thank you, Lord, that you want to use us. Lord, I thank you for uh, just now using JP and PJ and uh, Rosa, uh, dear God, to be an encouragement to us uh, uh, through that song, Lord, that you could come back any moment. So, Lord, we want to be ready. Lord, if somebody needs to be saved today, whether they're here or listening, I pray they say, oh, I better get saved today. Jesus might come back. Lord, I want to be ready. So, Lord, convict that heart about salvation. And, Lord, we want to not just be saved, Lord. We want to be where we should be. Lord, if somebody's gotten sidetracked, Lord, touch that heart today and say, oh, I want to uh, be not just in my position but in my place uh, where I should be with the Lord when he comes back. And so, Lord, uh, challenge us uh, to that. Lord, again, we thank you for the faithfulness of your people. Lord, we thank, again, those that are sick among us. We thank Sister Allison, the Burgers, and others. Dear God, please touch those physical needs. Uh, Lord, Brother McLean, and uh, Lord, again, uh, spiritual, Lord, you know uh, the unspoken request. Lord, uh, people have burdens upon their heart. They have situations they're facing, important decisions they're trying to make. Lord, we all have lost loved ones. Just so many things that are upon our heart, but Lord, we cast them upon your heart today and we trust you. Now again, Lord, as we look at this portion of scripture, help us to uh, learn, uh, dear God, things that we can apply to our life and help us, uh, dear God, to be what we ought to be and to trust you like we ought to trust you, that in everything Jesus Christ would have the preeminence and get the honor and glory and praise. For it's in thy precious name we pray, amen. So we look at this uh, portion of, of scripture and the, the first few verses here I sort of uh, call, uh, look at it as a frustration versus compassion. Frustration versus compassion. You know, the context of this setting, well, of course, if you read ahead, the disciples of Christ had been on a preaching mission and they returned. And so the Lord invited them to take a rest. Now, you see, of course, you see this story in all four Gospels. In Matthew 6, 31, when it talks about the Lord inviting them to take a rest, it says this in Mark 6, 31. And he said to them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Isn't that good that God says that? As, he, as they say, come apart before you come apart, uh, right? Sometimes we feel like we're coming apart, so we need to come apart, amen, and rest. And so there's nothing uh, wrong. We have to learn that sometimes, especially as a young Christians, especially in the ministry, we think we always have to be going, 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 and doing, doing, doing. We want to have that mindset. We want to have that zeal, but we also, amen, want to have the wisdom of knowing the importance of, of, of uh, uh, resting. I mean, that's why the Lord, you know, gave a, gave, gave a night time and gave a, a time for rest. And he put that, uh, the importance of rest right there when uh, he talks about even about uh, creation. So it's important for God's people to rest and let their hearts and minds and uh, uh, bodies uh, be refreshed. So he says to them, come apart in a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. But so God takes them to a, the Lord takes them to a destination. But when they got to their destination, there was a large crowd that showed up. There was a large crowd that showed up. They were trying to leave the crowd, but when they got there, the crowd found out what was going, and the crowd showed up. And if you look here, what do you see? You see the disciples when they saw that. 
They got frustrated. Well, you can learn a lot about them, right? About reacting the wrong way and having a, a, a bad spirit. You know, you think about when the children came and all those things. Boy, those disciples, they were a mess. Um, just like you and I, <laughs> amen? Just like you and I, they were a mess often. So the disciples, when they saw this crowd, you see in these verses, they got frustrated. And in verse 30, in Mark 6, 36, they said this, send them away, send them away. But uh, what did the Lord do when they got frustrated, but they were moved with frustration, but we know this is where Christ was moved with compassion, where Christ was moved with compassion. So, hey, when uh, we get in a situation that might, in our natural right, reaction, frustrate us, we just say, Lord, give me your heart, give me your heart, give me that heart of grace and compassion. But it says this, so again, Christ's first focus, even though it talks about them being fed, we need to understand Christ's first focus was not their physical hunger, right? But that they were as sheep without a shepherd, that they were sheep without a shepherd. It says in verse 34, referring to this in Mark 6, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Sure, it's sad when people are without food. It's sad when people... Uh, go hungry. And, and again, we need to have, uh, 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 if we can help somebody in that area, we want to. But we need to realize the more important thing, amen, uh, than an empty stomach is an empty heart, right? More than they, they needed their next meal, they needed a spiritual leader, amen? They needed a shepherd to guide them in the things and ways of life. So when, he, when Jesus saw them, even though we see that he meets the physical need, Right. His first thought and his first the thing that moved his heart wasn't their physical need. It was their spiritual need. Right. That uh, spiritual need always needs to have priority in the things of God, in the things of God. So uh, uh, and then uh, so then he goes on to teach them. In verse 34, it says this. Uh, it says that he was moved with compassion toward them because they were sheep. And then it says this. He began to teach them many things. You see, the Lord taught the people, but not only did he teach the people here, but he also made the wise decision to use this opportunity for a teaching moment in the lives of his disciples. So remember that a lot of times something might happen in our life to cause us to be frustrated they cause us maybe to be discouraged or uh, that, you know, uh, here, we thought this was going to happen, but then this is what happened. Anybody have that happen, right? You're looking for something uh, positive. All of a sudden, a negative uh, shows up in a situation. Well, uh, what did the Lord do? He used it for a teaching moment in their lives. And so we need to say, okay, the Lord, let me need to have your heart, but also give me discernment. What do you want to, how do you want to use this as a teaching moment in my life, right? He's the teacher. He's a, he was a great, not only preacher, but teacher. So again, there are times when we have moments of frustration. Things don't turn out like we hope, as with the disciples here, but the Lord can use those as, again, teaching moments in our life. So let's always ask the Lord, Lord, help me to have a teachable spirit, no matter how long we've been saved. You know, uh, sometimes people, they get a certain level of education where they say, well, I've learned everything. No, I can go out and apply it. 
No, however long you've been saved, amen, there's always something to learn or to be relearned. Usually a lot of times it's relearning, right, uh, to, to give us that reminder. That, that's why a lot of times when you see the Bible, what? Stir up our minds by way of remembrance. It's not that we never heard it. It's that we sort of let that truth or that principle maybe slip in our lives. So again, notice verse 2, and a great multitude followed him. Notice that next word, because because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. So people follow Jesus for different reasons. You know, I've certainly seen that over the years. Hey, not everybody's following Jesus, unfortunately, for the same reason. Not everybody shows up to church, if you will, for the same reason. Uh, the other night, uh, because Brother uh, Adams in, uh, uh, in the hospital with his wife, he teaches a, uh, a lesson at Tabernacle Baptist College. So he asked me uh, to fill in for him Friday night. I'm sure those uh, 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 kids were going, those kids, <laughs> young people, those young men, I should say those young men were glad. So, oh, glad he's just filling in. Woo. Right. Uh, but uh, uh, when there, you know, I, I asked him, I said, well, hey, why are you in Bible college? Why are you here? And each one of them had a different reason. You know, one of them, you know, called to be a pastor. One of them was thinking about going to evangelism. One of them was thinking about being a mission. But one, he wasn't sure what he wanted to do with his life. And so he was just using that opportunity uh, to learn a few things about the Word of God. So they all had different reasons. And, hey, uh, it's okay if you have different reasons as long as they're good spiritual reasons. But unfortunately, not everybody that has followed Jesus was following for a good spiritual reason as we, we see here. So it's always good to check up and say, why am I following Jesus? Why have I made this even what I might consider a spiritual decision in my life? So when it comes to us, let us be among those that follow him for the right reasons, with a pure heart, willingly and lovingly. That's why we follow him. And it says in verse three, and Jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Boy, can you imagine what a joy it must have been to sit around with Jesus? I love that in, in the Bible where it says, right, I think it was after uh, uh, the Lord's Supper, it says they sang a hymn and then they went out into the garden. Man, uh, what, what, what a, how nice that must have been uh, to, to sit there and sing a hymn with him, possibly about him. What a wonderful memory that that would have been. But so we see frustration versus compassion and a teachable moment. So when something comes into our life and it doesn't turn out maybe like we expected, we, we thought it was going in one direction. Now it seems that it turned off and went this direction. Thought we saw it was going to be a long road, turned into a, a dead end or whatever the, the case might be. And we feel a frustration. Say, Lord, uh, uh, how do you want to use this in my life? Uh, Lord, if, is this an area where I need to show compassion or an area where I show grace or an area where I just need to, again, show faith? And, uh, uh, and how do you want to use this, make this a teachable moment in my life? A good question to always be asking. How do you want to use this as a teachable moment in my life? Well, we see how he uses it as a teachable moment here. Notice again, verses five through seven. Again, when Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him and saith unto Philip, when shall ye buy bread that these may eat? So he asked Philip a question. And notice, and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 pennyworth of bread are not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. So uh, notice uh, uh, what, what happens here. 
The question here is never what is God going to do? The question is, what are you going to do? Listen, notice what it says in verse six. For he himself knew what he would do. What a wonderful thought that is. Right. God already knows what he's going to do in every situation, whatever situation you're facing right now. You say, oh, well, I'm trying to uh, 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 see what, what what God wants to do here. God already knows what he's going to do. I was talking to somebody about uh, something the other day uh, 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 and, and, you know, trying to uh, get some discernment there. And I said this. I said, listen, one thing we do know, God already has a will in this situation. <laughs> That's one thing you can be encouraged about. Every situation I face, I always try to remember, not sure why this happened, but I do know this. God has a will in this situation. God cares about the outcome of this situation. God has direction he wants to give in this situation. So remember that, uh, uh, young people, everyone in that situation, God already knows what he's going to, isn't that a good thing? Amen, to know that he's already got it figured out, that he already knows what he's going to do. So the question is, Amen. God, you're sitting there going, God, what are you going to do? And he's saying, no, no, no. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond in this situation? How are you going to trust me in this situation? Amen. Or how are you going to allow me to teach you and guide you in this situation? How are you going to respond? You see, he saved you and he called you unto himself. Amen. He saved you and now he's become your friend. He's called you unto himself. Now he wants to know what are you going to do? You see, how will you move forward in this circumstance that God has allowed in your life? How are you going to move forward in the situation, the circumstance that God has allowed in your life? You see, God's will was already clear. God's will was clear. Hey, feed the multitude. Right. His will was clear. Feed the multitude. What wasn't clear is how he wanted to get done. It was clear to him. Right. Sorry. Correct the spelling error. All right. Uh, he uh, was uh, how he wanted to get done. So he knew what he wanted to do. He knew that. But now the disciple needed to figure out how did God want to get that done? So always remember, I repeat, God's will, God's way at God's time. And we know what God's will is. Uh, for our life. Now we need to figure out the way he wants to unfold it. Right. And the timing for that. As I mentioned, uh, when I was in the military, God, remember, God called me to preach. I didn't I didn't go busting my commander's door down the next day and say, uh, sir, uh, I'm out of here. God's called me to preach. Amen. Uh, just send me my papers. I'm, I'm, I'm catching the next plane. Now, that wouldn't have went over too good in the military. Amen. I knew his will. Now we need to find his way and his timing. And that's in every situation in life. So three things were already understood here. Three things were already understood. Notice again, verse five, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him. One, Jesus had already assessed and understood the situation. Jesus had already assessed and understood the situation. Hey, listen, no matter what happens in your life, know that Jesus saw it. Didn't take you by surprise. Jesus saw it. He's already assessed the situation you're going through, right? And he already understands it. So you can know that. He's assessed the situation and he understands it. That Jesus already had a plan, right? For he himself knew what he would do. Know that Jesus has assessed the situation. He understands the situation. He already has a plan for the situations. And then three, Jesus wanted his disciples to be a part of the plan. 
Isn't that a great thing? So no, no matter what you're going through, Jesus has assessed it. Jesus understands it, right? Jesus already has a will for it. And you know what? He wants you to be a part of that plan. He wants you to be a part, amen, of uh, uh, fulfilling whatever that might be. He wants you to get on it. He says, God has a plan and he wants you to get in on the plan. You see, that's what the Christian life is really about. It's just getting in on God's plan, getting in on God's plan. A, a missionary, a lot of times a missionary comes to a church and, you know, hey, missionary, you know, uh, what's your plan? What's your plan? And so missionaries get up there and they try to stumble through a few words and uh, figure out what their plan is going to be. Oh, no, I never I never uh, I never went with a plan. Right. I, I always tell people, listen, I'm not good at making decisions. So I made my final decision. And my final decision was to go with his decision. So listen, he's the decision maker. My decision was to go with his decision. So whatever he decides, amen, that's what's going to happen. He, he decides. So my decision was that. And so I just sat around and waited for him to make a decision. And I said, hey, listen, uh, when I get to the mission field, listen, God's in the soul-saving, life-changing, local church-building business. God loves the whole world. So he wants to do something over there. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm, listen, you think I'm going to go over there and do a bunch of stuff? No way, man. I'm just going to go back. I'm just going to go over there and stand around and watch. You know what I mean by that. I'm going to watch God save souls, change lives, build a local church and do things. Right. Then you support me as a missionary. I'll come back every once in a while and tell you what I saw God do the last four years. You see, that's the way our Christian life is supposed to be. God has a plan. God wants you to be part of that plan. And so he wants you to get in on it. And so our job is not to trying to figure out, but just have a sensitive heart towards how he wants to fulfill that plan. Right. His will, his way and his timing and make sure that we're in on it. God, I want to be in on it. Amen. You want to feed those five thousand? Is that your plan? Is that your will? I want to be in on feeding the five thousand. Whatever it is, God, I want to be in on your plan that you already have figured out. I think it's uh, 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 look at how look at how the uh, disciple says here, Philip, again, verse seven, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them. Look at this may take a little may take a little. See how we, oh, if we can just get a few crumbs to the needy, right? If we just get a few crumbs to the needy. Boy, does the Lord uh, blow him out of the water with this. Uh, verse nine, and notice what it says. There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. Oh, but what are they among so many? Don't we feel that way sometimes? Don't we feel, who am I among so many? Who are we among so, oh, we're so limited. We're so limited, right? That's right. As long as things are in our hands, they're limited. As long as that little lunch was in the lad's hands or a disciple's hand, as long as it was only in their ability, right, it was limited. So it's not till we place things in his hands that things can be used and multiplied beyond their natural limitations, Beyond their natural, you see, God is the multiplier. God is the multiplier. And he wants to multiply some things in our life, right? Biblical mathematics. You get saved, there's some things he wants to add to your life. There's some things he wants to subtract from your life. And then there's some things he wants to multiply in your life and multiply also through you. I love this verse, 2 Corinthians 8, 3, for to their power... I bear record, Jay, and beyond their power. 
That's where things begin to happen. As long as it's in our hands, it's to our power. Oh, they're only going to get a little. <laughs> oh, what's this among so many, right? That's, that's the thought when it's in our hands. But when we put it back in his hands, then yea, it gets beyond our power and into the unlimited power of an almighty God, of an almighty God. Look at the situation, you say. Listen, there's no way. If you look only at the situation, you'll be like them. Oh, there's no way the need can be met. Oh, there's no way. I mean, look at this. This is all we got. Look at that great multitude. When you're looking, when you're looking here, when you're looking down and out, you know what? You'll be down and out. <laughs> they looked down at the lunch and then they looked out. So they looked down and out and that's why they were down and out. <laughs> hey, I don't want to be down and out. Uh, amen. Uh, right. I want to be, I want to look up and be fired up not down and out. Amen. I want to look up and be fired up. So when you look at the situation, you'll say there's no way the need can be met. But the question is not, what are these, these, you know, a little bit of bread and little fish, what are these among so many, right? So many people. That's not the question. The question is, what are so many to him? <laughs> that's the question. Not what are these to so many, but what are so many to him? That's the question. Look at him, right? If you look at the situation, you'll say there's no way the need can be met. But if you look at him, you'll say there's no way the need cannot be met because he is not limited. There's no way that this need cannot be met in my life. There's no way I cannot get victory in this situation. There's no way I cannot get the wisdom that I need. There's no way, amen, that God can't get me either through this wall, over this wall, or just remove the wall. There's no way that cannot happen, amen, when I turn it over to him. God never said, Oh, what did I get myself into this time? God's never said that. What did I get myself into this time? God, amen, he never got up. He didn't get the other side. Wow, man, I didn't. I was only expecting maybe 1,500 a day. Now we are oh, 5,000. That's just, man, what am I going to? No, nothing takes God by surprise, right? So it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, clear there what, what, God, what God does. And so, we see uh, frustration versus compassion, right? Ourselves will be frustrated, amen, but he is moved with uh, compassion. And then we see, uh, right, uh, our power, our limitation versus his power. But then we get to these other verses and we see the contributor versus the distributor, right? The contributor versus the distributor. Look at verses uh, 10. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Look, the Lord, the Lord says to them, he says, look, all these people, they were getting, he says, don't get nervous. Just have them all sit down. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. He said, I've got a plan and that plan is going to be operated decently and in order. Just have everybody sit down, right? Take a seat. We've got everything under control here. And then it goes on in verses uh, 11 says, uh, let's just go ahead and read verse 10. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down and number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Notice some things in this verse. Distributed to the disciples. That word distributed means to deliver through. 
That's what it means to deliver through. And that's what God wants to use us for. God has a plan. God has some things that he wants to get to the masses. God has some things that he wants to get out around the world. And he has chosen to deliver those things to the masses, to deliver those things around the world through you. Through the church. The church is God's means. The church is right. You know, you, you go towards, uh, you ever goes towards Atlanta or sometimes you see these huge warehouses, right? You say, oh, Amazon Distribution Center, Walmart Distribution Center, right? That's the place where they get things out. They come from somewhere else and, and go through there to get out uh, to the masses. Well, that's what the, when, when we go by uh, good Bible-believing local churches, you know what you say? There's one of God's distribution centers. There's one of God's distribution centers, right? Say, what do you do? Well, I'm a distributor for God. That's a good way to ask. People ask you, what do you do? Oh, I'm a distributor. Oh, Amazon, Walmart. No, God. I'm one of God's distributors, right? God has some things, something that he wants to get to you. God has something he wants to get to you, and he wants to, he's chosen to distribute that through me, a born-again child of God. He wants to distribute what he wants to get to you. He's allowing me to distribute that today. Hey, say, do you get upset when the Amazon guy drops something off at your door? He's a distributor for Amazon, right? Do you get upset when you, uh, UPS drops something at your door because UPS has something for you? Then why are you going to get mad at God because he has something he wants to drop off at your door and he's chosen to have me be the one to drop it off? He said, but listen, I'm not like those lazy, other lazy, they drop it off and leave. Amen. I'm here to make sure that you get it personally, that some guy doesn't come and steal it off your porch. Amen. There's a good way to, to, to use that. Amen. Come up with a, something there. But I am one of God's distributors. He has chosen to distribute. Amen. His word, his will and the things that he wants to get to you. He's chosen to do that through me. What a blessing that we have the privilege of being one of God's distributors that our church has the privilege of being a distribution, amen, uh, outlet for the things of God. You see, whatever God is going to do, whatever God is going to get out, it's going to be through you. And if it isn't through you, well, then it's not going to get to those that God has allowed you to come into contact with that you're supposed to be distributing his things to. Notice verse 11. Notice what it says here. Notice something else here in verse 11. And Jesus took the loaves when he had given thanks and he distributed to the disciples. Right? So how did he get the loaves out? He gave it to the disciples. So then they took the bread out. And then you come down here and it says, and likewise of the fishes. You see, whatever he distributes, it's going to be likewise. God's not going to change his plan. He says, okay. All right, boys, let's get together here. This is the way we're going to get the bread out, right? And then they go and they, they start getting the bread out. Then he comes back. Okay, but what about the fish? Well, we're going to do the fish the same way. If it worked with the bread, it'll work with the fish, right? We got a plan. We don't need to change the plan. It's working. I give it to you. I gave the bread to you. You got the bread to them. I give the fish to you. You got the fish to them. Hey, pretty simple plan. But it works. You see, God's not going to change his plan. The church doesn't need to come up with a new plan to help God out. God has his plan. God has his way of distributing, of getting things to the masses. He's got his way of doing it. You know what? And so, hey, uh, just like it was likewise when he was getting the bread and fish out, and it's been likewise for 2,000 years in 2022, 
it's likewise. Amen. He's going to keep doing it that way, the same way that he has always done it. All right. So that's what we do. We give it to God. We turn over to him. Then he'll pray over and then we give over. And notice something else in verse 11. Notice how verse 11 ends. The last few words there. It says, as much as they would. Did you catch that? As much as they would. What doesn't it say? As much as they could, right? It says as much as they would. You see, the limit was not with the resources. The limit was not with the resources. God's resources are never in short supply. They didn't come back and say, well, that's all we got. Hope you had enough to eat, right? We, we, we did all we could. No, he said it, it kept going until, hey, uh, not not till the resources were done, but until they were done. So you see that what chose the stopping point, not limited resources. Right. But that the mission would be accomplished. You see, God's resources are going to get coming out and it doesn't stop until the mission is accomplished, right? Either until he takes us home or we go home. But as long as God has his church down here, the resources are unlimited and the mission continues, right? As much as we would, right? The resources aren't limited. We can get out as much as we want. We can sow as much seed as we want. We can get as much gospel out uh, as we want, the unlimited resources. So we keep going until the mission's done. God is never going to work in our lives where his work does not require faith. Every time the disciples made their way back to Jesus, they had to trust that there was more fish and bread to give out. God's supply is never exhausted, no matter how great the demand. We trust him for what we need to do the work. Every time you go to the Lord, amen, he's going to be have what you need to hand over to you. You see, so the thought is this. There's more where that came from. There's more. Hey, where'd you get that bread? Hey, eat all the bread you want. There's more where that came from. Hey, eat all the fish you want. There's more uh, where that came from. Hey, whatever uh, you need from God, right? Uh, 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 there, there's more where that came from. So if you feel like you're running low on something, right? Hey, uh, uh, we're running low on bread over here. Don't worry. Amen. We can refill. We're running low on fish over here. Don't worry. We can get more. How did we refill? They refilled by going back to Jesus. Amen. So when you're feeling low on something, all you got to do, get back to Jesus. Amen. And there'll be more of that resource Amen. To take care of you. So listen, you, you might run low, but it's not because the resource or the supply ran low. Amen. You just need to get back to Jesus and get some more bread, get some more fish, get some more grace, get some more wisdom, get some more direction or whatever it is that you need to refill up on from God so you can continue to give it out. Also, like the lad, right? He turned it over. Whatever we turn over to the Lord, he will take it he will multiply it and he will use it. Whatever we turn to the Lord, he will take it. He will multiply it. He will use it. That's what he does. He is in that. That's the business he's in. And then look again at verse 12. What, how's that sound? When they were, what's that word? Filled. When they were filled. Now in verse 7, what did those disciples say? Oh, that they may take a little. Oh, that they may take a little. Oh, and then in verse 9, oh, what are they among so many? What are they among so many? But then verse 12, what? They were filled. What a wonderful thought. You see, we are so limited in our thinking 
Oh, man, well, maybe we can get them a little. Oh, what are these among so many? But no, when God's done, amen, they were filled. Hey, you know what? God wants you to be filled with his supply. Look at what it says in verse 13. He takes it to another level. Not only were they filled, but notice verse 13. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves. And what, what, look at this, which remain, notice these next few words, over and above unto them that had eaten. What a wonderful thought. Notice those words, over and above. Do you know where God wants you to live in your spiritual life? God wants you to live in the realm of over and above. Amen. He didn't want you to just, you know, get a little here and a little there. Amen. God wants you to be filled daily with his supply. And God wants you to be a testimony of over and above. I look back over almost 35 years of being saved and serving the Lord. And you know what? I can say with a pure heart, I give this testimony all the time when I talk to people, not bragging on me, but bragging on the Lord. I said, you know what? I look back over 35 years and I can say by the grace of God, my life has been over and above anything I could have ever dreamed about. My life has been over and above anything I could have I've lived a life beyond anything I could have ever imagined. Listen, my life, listen, I, I couldn't have, I tell people all the time, I couldn't have afforded the life I've lived. There's no way I could have afforded all the traveling, all the things that I've had. There's no way I could have afforded the life that I've lived. So you know what? God had to give it to me. He knew I couldn't afford it, so he had to give it to me. God knows that you can't afford the things you need, amen? But he'll gladly give them to you, amen, as you trust him and rely on his supply. Rely on his supply, and you can live in the realm of over and above in the good things of God, in the good things of God, over and above. Yes, yes, look, at, look how it ends, verse 14 as we finish up here. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, look what they said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. You know what? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. He's the one. The song says, yes, he's the one. Jesus is the one that should come and he came and he did what needed to be done. And now he wants to work in us and through us, amen, to meet the need of the masses, to meet the need of the masses. Now, look at one other verse, right? We're talking about bread and fish here. And let look at verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. Why? Because he is the bread and he's the unlimited supply. Amen. <laughs> like I said, hey, you're you feeling low. Just go back to Jesus and there's more. Amen. Because he is the bread of life. He is. Amen. He's he. Christ is the great contributor. Amen. He contributes everything we need. And we are called to be a faithful distributor, a faithful distributor. Say, Lord, you have the supply. And I want to be the guy, amen. I want to be the guy to get your supply to the masses, to the masses. So as we think about this thought, listen, the great work we have to do is to give the gospel message to those that are without Christ. The, 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 the masses are hungry for something real. And our job is to get them that which is real, him 
and the truth and power of his gospel. Again, we must we, 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 we see we must have the spirit of Jesus Christ by having compassion on people who are sheep without a shepherd. Amen. Don't listen. Don't look here and here. Don't look down and out. You'll get down and out. Amen. Again, look up and be fired up that God wants you to be one of his distributors and get it out. Like the disciples, we must be careful not to have a wrong attitude toward people. God's work must be done in complete and total dependence upon him. He will give the complete and total supply if we will completely and totally rely on him. God always works in our lives in a way that requires faith in him. To trust the Lord for what we need to do his work, knowing that God's supply is never exhausted, no matter how great the demand. So remember, right? God, he, he, he's already, he's, he, he already has the situation assessed. He already understands the situation. He's already got a plan. He's already got a plan. And he wants you to be a part of that plan. And we just say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Let me be a faithful distributor. Let's pray.